Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. This week, we're sifting through the streams to share St. Patrick's Day TV episodes that are better than a pot of gold, and honestly, some that made us feel like our luck ran out. We'll also be following the rainbow to St. Patrick's Day recipes, both traditional and not, to give you a taste of the Irish. But before we start the patty, let's see what's cozy in the news. Last episode, I brought you a Jane Doe. This week, (laughs) I'm bringing you Pamela Anderson. (laughs) I've realized that my cozy news has been quite a journey recently, but this just, it's not necessarily timely. Well, it's timely in the sense that Pamela is having a renaissance, her Netflix documentary, just came out and she's finally vindicated after all these years which i'm loving so it's timely in that sense and she came out with a book yeah yeah. so she's having a moment but you know how i love being on youtube (laughs) and i guess because of work i was researching pamela and whatnot so her cribs episode popped up and it was from 2000 and she gave a tour of her lovely malibu home i guess you could say it's a beach house but it's it's her, it's her home. It's, it's more than a beach house. It's don't imagine a shack. Um, I'm sure it goes, it was, you know, priced in the, the high millions. But so I watched this episode and it is just the coziest and sweetest home tour I've ever seen. Cause I was big on cribs when I was younger. I'm sure as all millennials or most many millennials were. And, um, it's hard to describe her home in one word, but she's a unapologetically in love with wicker big wicker fan (laughs) loves roses her place looks like a store that you would go in with your mom when you're on like a weekend getaway if that if that makes sense to you it does and i'm and i'm watching it on mute as you speak and it is decorated for christmas which really adds a whole other cozy layer yeah and she she thinks she's single at the time because a lot of her home is it doesn't feature darker colors. It's all really bright and airy and these like elaborate chandeliers and once again, the wicker. And so she says a lot of my exes liked um, black or the dark, you know, dark color. She's like, but I like white. So that's why everything in here is pinks and, and you know, bright, bright colors. And she's and she has her kids artwork hung up on the walls. And it's just, she's a nook. It's just super sweet. And I think it goes back to the fact that we read Pamela Emerson Anderson all wrong. And this is just the most coziest, unexpected design vibe from a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> I, I highly recommend her guest room. I want to stay in. First of all, it, it absolutely looks like an antique store. I, I keep expecting yeah. <laughs> for there to be price tags on a lot of the items. But in addition to that antique store vibe, she is such a proud mother and all the children's drawings are everywhere and their portraits are everywhere. In fact, there are so many kid drawings in the kitchen that I'm wondering if she spent all morning before the cruise got there, like pasting it up on every cabinet. <laughs> I don't believe so. She said that she didn't have a nanny or any help. And I believe Pam. Not that there's anything wrong with not having a nanny or help, but Pam is very hands-on, loves her boys. And so it's just a sweet, endearing Cribs episode. The most fascinating room is the pool house. Think of a gazebo with a tub in it. Is it even a pool house? It's like a pool house with no pool next to it. It's a converted shed. I co-sign everything she does. So. <laughs> so many questions. But it's it's a fascinating use of space. You've never seen anything like it. And it's maximalist to the T. And I think yes. that's what we're lacking right now in our design decor. I think maximalism is coming back, but... Hers is just overflowing with antiques, roses, chandeliers, wicker. <laughs> I, I mean, I personally love it. So it's just a sweet kind of accompaniment to her renaissance. And it was nice that it came across my YouTube desk. And now it's news. <laughs> now it's news. I made it news. The media for you. Well, our next story has us crying over old butter. TikToker at Saw Pottery who works at a university museum, showcased cardboard doll furniture that has an adorable origin story. Apparently, during the Great Depression, certain butter companies would print dollhouse furniture patterns on their packages that could be cut out and assembled. And these delicate relics stirred up memories for other TikTokers who recalled their grandparents still having similar toys, 
and the imagination of others, with one TikToker writing, quote, picturing the mamas trying to collect all the pieces for their children and making them so carefully string of crying emojis. Like that, <laughs> that was the rest of that message. You know, just imagining during this really trying time, this small effort to bring joy to children and keep imagination alive. And even though I don't know if I would quite cry over it, I think it is a very sweet artifact from that era. I'd definitely be crying over it. I mean, it doesn't take <laughs> Was much. that you, the string of crying <laughs> yeah. emojis? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah, it's just a really sweet piece of history that I wasn't aware of. I didn't know that, that butter Yeah, me neither. I had no that. idea that butter came with furniture at in that time. I mean, I, in, not real furniture, but like, you know, stuff you yeah. could cut out and then fold into you know, and close the tabs under. And it's also a miracle that that cardboard was preserved so well for so long. That in and of itself is amazing. And what I loved about this too is in the comment section, everyone was saying, oh, my, you know, grandparent had this and just all the memories that that stirred up for folks was really sweet and special. Well, speaking of stirring up some cherished memories, we are diving into some classic TV episodes that are themed around St. Patrick's Day to see if they can put us in the St. Patrick's Day spirit. The last time we discussed St. Patrick's Day was in 2020 when we watched The Leprechaun's Christmas Gold. Was that right before COVID? Like right as it, yeah, it was March. Yeah, so really, yeah, right before, exactly, yeah. And discussed St. Patrick's Day traditions. This was episode 71, by the way, if you want to go back, if you're like, I need more St. Patrick's Day content, there you go. (laughs) So we thought we'd go back and find other viewing options by sampling St. Patrick's Day episodes from some of our favorite shows. Okay, so some of them are our favorite shows. Some of them are truly just random picks. Because, you know, you can Google, give me a list of every known St. Patrick's Day episode that's notable in any way. Looking through that, there is an even smaller amount that could possibly be from something resembling a cozy show. And we're really stretching it here a little bit. So bear with us um, as we really sift through all this uh, metaphorical clover, if you will, to find the ones with four leaves on them. After we discuss briefly each episode, we're going to determine if it was a pot of gold or if we found nothing at the end of that rainbow. (laughs) So (laughs) you can avoid some of these episodes or be guided to episodes that really exhibited the true St. Patrick's Day spirit. A lot of the research I did, the same episodes were popping up a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And I I think this is a call to action to get more St. Patrick's Day episodes. It's an untapped well. I, I I have even more comments about the some of the themes that we discovered watching these, but I don't want to dive into it quite yet. Let's first just back up and talk about our first episode that we're going to discuss, which is Lucky Charmed from the show Charmed. So this episode um, follows leprechauns who fall into bad luck when a demon starts stealing their magic and their gold to gain power in the underworld. Seamus, their leader, enlists the help of the Charmed Ones and grants them good luck to vanquish the demon. This luck allows Paige to gain material wealth, Phoebe to meet a man, and Piper to summon Pat Benatar. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Lots going on. And you can stream this on Peacock. P.S. I guess speaking personally, too, Charmed, it almost feels like a more witch-focused Buffy in a lot of ways. And I don't, I couldn't tell you why I never watched it. Um, I should. I feel like it, it has so much that's up my alley. Oh, yeah, 110%. I want to go back and watch it after seeing this episode. And I think for me, the reason why I wasn't so hot on it, I believe it aired on the WB. Am I correct? It did, in that? yeah. Okay, so I'd be watching my Gilmore Girls or whatever, and then Charm would come on the later hour. And I would, because it, it does have some violent undertones. And maybe I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, not for me at 10 o'clock at night. Oh, I got to go to sleep. It's too much. <laughs> the wild one I was in high school. Or, it was too know, spooky. Too spooky. It's too spooky. And I was, so, but now look, watching this episode, it really got me in a charmed kick. So, did you find it cozy? I loved the aspect of you know, quote unquote, real magic. There's gold, there's rainbows. The leprechauns had these <laughs> canes and then the cane would shoot out a rainbow. And uh, they're also talking about the leprechauns were in their, what you, would you call their mystical land? <laughs> what you look like? It was very beautiful, tons of green and there was a meadow and they were talking about uh, their different tribes. And so 
it really felt like the leprechauns were go there was really touching on that mystical um, I don't say historical <laughs> that's <not> the right <laughs> word this really happened the <laughs> mythology behind <laughs> leprechauns and it in it and embrace that in a in a really cozy and magical way if i had watched this when i was younger i would be all about it and i also love the clothes that the leprechauns were were wearing they're very traditional interpretation traditional. of what a leprechaun would be wearing green, little green suits yeah and the lead leprechaun that's the appropriate term seamus uh was really endearing he was super funny and i think that's a big part of you know irish heritage and tradition is the, the humor and that was really um, evident in this in this episode what did you think i found it very cozy i really liked the balance of silly and fun with the serious moments with real stakes because very bad things happen but at the same time like a lot of that there's a lot of hijinks too that made me kind of like really invested in the plot because i wanted to know what happened i was worried about our characters but at the same time i was still having fun i mean pat benatar's in it randomly what's not to like and I agree, like the, the episode truly centered around the leprechauns and their magic. It really felt focused on that mythology um, in, in their own charmed universe, obviously. What I did start noticing from this episode that we watched is, and you're going to see this pattern throughout, is that St. Patrick's Day in, for American television equals put a leprechaun in it. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. It, it's, there's, it's so tightly bound to leprechauns specifically. And I was a little surprised because there's not, there's not even that much variation in what's featured in St. Patrick's Day episodes. It's like exclusively leprechauns. <laughs> yeah, This is really more leprechaun palooza <laughs> than it is almost, than it is really necessarily like St. Patrick's Day. But I do feel like skipping to, was it a pot of gold or an empty rainbow? I think this was a pot of gold. I'm not even somebody who like watched Charmed as we discussed. It's the first episode I've ever seen. And I was pulled in, even though it wasn't explicitly about St. Patrick's Day. I think if leprechauns make you leap for joy, you'll really enjoy this uh, episode. And I think it will make you excited for the holiday. Yeah. And that's the same for me. It's also a pot of gold. What I also liked about this episode and why it was a pot of gold for me is that they also incorporated some elevated discussions in my opinion about the concept of luck mm-hmm. and how bad luck can uh, be good luck too, because what the leprechauns in the, the episode, um, Seamus was explaining how they not only hand out um, good luck, but they hand out bad luck, uh, just not only to keep a, the order of balance, but also to propel someone into bettering their lives or, you know, their situation and what, what have you. Um, so I, I appreciated that as that as well. The only thing I didn't like, I thought the strangulation of the leprechauns is extremely <laughs> violent. Yeah, so remember, there is a demon going around trying to steal the magic from the leprechauns. So there is some leprechaun-related violence. Trigger warning. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why couldn't you just poof them away? Why did you have to, you know, some, you know, BTK-esque... <laughs> Strangulation. I mean, they do kind of poof away, though. They like disappear into a bunch of sparkles. After five minutes of hardcore <laughs> looking to your eyes, strangulation. So that was very upsetting to me. And I want to give away the plot. Uh, the, no, but spoiler, it, it is upsetting. And some, upsetting. Yeah, some beloved leprechauns. We lose them <laughs> one by one. So. Um. Yeah, I really liked that. This was this was a this was a fun episode. I, I was invested. Same here. Loved it. Moving on to shows that really appeal to young people and teenagers, specifically a quintessential '90s version of that. Let's discuss Beverly Hills 90210's The Leprechaun. So, in Beverly Hills 90210, we're following the lives of a group of friends living in you guessed it, Beverly Hills. And this episode is from season nine. So the crew has graduated from high school and is starting their lives as young adults. In it, the peach pit is threatened with a buyout. Donna and Kelly quarrel over their clothing store business they share. David's relationship with Claudia looks like it will be cut short now that her visa is expiring. And if you're wondering where St. Patrick's Day comes into the picture, Steve, played by Ian Ziering, hires a dwarf to pretend to be the Beverly Hills leprechaun to drum up interest in his newspaper, promising whoever captures the leprechaun will win a quote-unquote pot of gold, which is actually chocolate. 
Uh, this causes some major problems later in the subplot. And it is a tiny subplot. I was really just only invested in the drama between Jenny Garth and Tori Spelling, who play uh, Kelly and Donna. They're beefing over the fact that Tori Spelling's character is is the is the designer. She's 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 the fashionista. She's making all the clothes and the creative decisions. And Jenny Garth's pretty much just like running the register up front. And she's like, I want to do more and focus on expanding the business. Brings in a marketing person and PR to like come to their opening to bring in business. And Tori Spelling is so mad that this PR person could possibly pay celebrities to come to this as if she has no understanding of. <laughs> well, I don't even know if that, that also that isn't quite real either, because usually you're getting maybe a free item or a swag bag, but no one's giving you cash to yes. spend an hour. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be doing it. Sign me up. Right. I mean, maybe maybe I'm being naive about how that works. But regardless, I was just so indignant about Tori Spelling's nefarious inability to allow her business partner any autonomy. Back to the leprechaun, that element was zany, but in a way that stressed me out. It did not make me feel cozy, and it felt tacked on. Yeah, I mean, 100%. The only thing that was cozy to me is um, Ian Ziering, and apologies if I pronounced his last name wrong, but attempting <laughs> an Irish accent. Um, you can tell that he was just having fun with it, going wild, just not you know, giving a care in the wor- world. It was season nine, I believe. So they were at the end of the, the tr- you know, the road. <laughs> and so I think he's just like, I don't give a crap. <laughs> um, and so it was very zany and zany is automatically cozy in my book. Uh, I also thought it was super cozy being transported back to a simpler time in TV. I the only experience with this show was my babysitter was watching it. So I had that recollection, but I'd never watched it on, on my own and to seeing Beverly Hills quote unquote through a nineties lens. But this is the farthest I think of all the episodes that we watched that was about St. Patrick's Day, the farthest from it. It's barely, <laughs> barely. Oof. So was it an empty rainbow for you, Matt, or is it a pot of gold? Yeah, it was absolutely an empty rainbow. I know this episode will not put the shamrock in your shake. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, it just sort of trades in a lot of stereotypes around little people and the, I don't know, the Irish in general, I guess, but like, which is a problem with a lot of the other episodes too, to be fair. It even tries to gloss all that over with like a um, a kind of come to Jesus moment for the character who like writes this kind of apologetic op-ed by the end. And basically by just saying, I realize these things now, it's like, oh, all is forgiven magically. <laughs> no harm was done to anybody. Even if there was going to be some like zany coziness to this like kind of funny, weird subplot about a little person pretending to be a leprechaun in Beverly Hills, the fact that it culminates in a hostage situation where a desperate father who captures the actor who played him in his deli holds everyone up at knife point because he said he was promised a pot of gold so he can pay for his kid's surgery. This is where this leads and ends. Okay. It ends up all happy because because of that op-ed where he apologizes for everything, people start sending in money for the dad. The dad just gets away with having held up everyone at knife point. Like nothing happens to him. There's no accountability. No. And the fact that anyone in that situation had the the mind to say, why do you need this pot of gold? I'm not asking that. (laughs) I'm hiding under the desk. But yeah, it was, it was, I think definitely on the, on the writers, you could have gotten the the point across that he did something wrong by, you know, also um, dehumanizing this little person and putting them in the paper and only seeing them as a little person and just misleading his readers, you still could have gotten that point across that the butcher just brought in this man and said, Hey, I caught him. And they're like, Oh, whoa, they took it so seriously. That would have gotten <laughs> that point across. You don't need the, the subplot of the dying son, yeah. which are wielding a knife. Like we don't need that. It was really intense and bizarre. The writers had one too many lines of coke writing this episode. It was just <laughs> a little over the edge. Well, once again, going back to the fact that it's season nine. Yeah. They had no <laughs> SHT's S left to give. Just collecting their checks. So empty Rambo for you as well, yes? Yes. Oh, yeah. Not even a hint of color. So we have another episode called The Leprechaun, but it's a very different TV show. It's Bewitched, the 1960s classic about a housewife who is a witch and her husband and their 
wacky relatives. This episode is from the series second season and is about a leprechaun from Darren's side of the family, Brian O'Brien, requesting help with finding his last pot of gold. Apparently, it was hidden in a fireplace that was uprooted from the Emerald Isle and installed in the home of a neighbor of Darren and Samantha's, who also happens to be a client Darren has been trying to court for some time. It's very convenient that they're all converging (laughs) into one person. Can they recover Brian O'Brien's pot of gold and score Darren a coveted client all at once? Yes, of course they can. (laughs) Um, You can stream this on the Roku channel, Freevee, and Tubi. And I think I forgot to mention this, but going back quickly to Beverly Hills Now 2-0, you can watch that on Paramount+. Plus. Anyway, back to Bewitched. What do you think, Jillian? Was this cozy? Well, I love the plot twist of Brian being on Darren's side of the the family, uh, just because I love everything related to Darren. I think I mentioned that when we had our October episode about our favorite witches, and Bewitched was one of my picks. Mm-hmm. And so I love that that humor. But I also agreed with your note, and I'm sure you can expand on it, is that to see an average-sized person playing the role was really refreshing and just <laughs> nice, but also I, I don't know why I'm obsessed with leprechaun clothes, but maybe because I was just a leprechaun enthusiast. And Yeah, you're trying to uh, catch him all the time. Trying to catch him all the time. And if some of you might be like, Jillian, stop talking about the leprechaun clothes, but others might be like, tell me more. <laughs> but on my, my mom, the, uh, the squirrel trap that she helped me set up for the leprechauns, <laughs> the, the clothes... I guess she bought these little leprechaun clothes, I think, from Michael's, and she had the pants or something hanging on to the squirrel trap. So it looked like they tried to escape from the trap, and that, in the process, became unclothed. <laughs> so you got some nude leprechauns running around your bedroom. <laughs> yes. So I'm very preoccupied with the style and the dress that they're wearing, and so I loved his his look. And his eyes were super green. Maybe that was yeah, just... Yeah, I think... Uh, that, so my understanding is that this was shot in black and white and then colorized. I think we watched the ooh. colorized version, which yes. is why everything is, like, way too saturated. And also some of the color kind of bleeds out of the edge. So, yeah. I mean, as you pointed out, this is the only leprechaun in any of these shows that is played by an average-sized person. And I thought it was kind of refreshing. It was, like, they don't have to be little, necessarily. It didn't... It didn't bump me. It was fine. And mm-hmm. it, again, it was like, it, it was just different. So it was nice. It was a, it, it was the, also the one stereotype it's, it's subverted because if you are Irish, I don't know if you find this offensive because like everything about uh, like being Irish was uh, lampooned in this character. First of all, his name is Brian O'Brien, which is, I mean, does that qualify as like a hate crime name? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But he's always drinking and trying to get trying to fight and like all these like stereotypes. So despite that, I did find this episode very cozy as well. The humor is light and breezy with all these sorts of sitcoms from this era. They just it's so fun and silly and light and it's hard to not have a good time. I agree. So it was a a pot of gold for me, I, I would say, just because I like Bewitched a lot. So I think that's just influencing me and once again love the darren related humor the green popped the clothes the accent was a little off and i think that's Mm. a a theme throughout all these episodes anyone who attempts an irish accent they're just not landing it not that i'm well yeah well they're just doing the most cartoony version imaginable yeah and as an irish person i'm not offended (laughs) all all very true to life if you're gonna watch a St. Patrick's Day themed TV episode that's called The Leprechaun. Watch Bewitched version of The Leprechaun. Do not watch the Beverly Hills 90210 episode. No, definitely not. It's not cozy. Don't watch that with your children. <laughs> Third show that's about witches. Here we go. We, of course, had to give Sabrina the Teenage Witch a try when they have a St. Patrick's Day episode. And this one was called Salem the Boy which does not sound sound very St. Patrick's Day themed. And, you know, actually it's the first hint that this episode does fall a little short of that. But anyway, here's what it's about. So Roland, who is a recurring character taking on the role of a leprechaun here, he's like a troll, evidently. I think he just gets different jobs in this episode. His job is being a leprechaun. This is the kind of loose world building we expect from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. In that capacity, he gives Sabrina three wishes which she generously and illegally against the witch's council's decree uses to turn Salem into a man by placing his essence into her classmate Gordy. 
So I, I feel obligated to explain this because that sentence is a lot. Salem is a cat in in the house, but he is not a cat really. He's a man who did some bad stuff and was turned into a cat for very, very long time, for thousands of years because of all the evil stuff that he did. So he's kind of an evil wizard that lives in the house in the form of a cat. Well said. <laughs> because of these wishes, his essence is in a classmate who teams up with Mr. Kraft, who's the principal at the school, and Libby to try to take over the world. And the episode is from season three. And you can watch this episode on Hulu. What do you think, Jillian? Were you, did you get cozy vibes from the show? So I love Salem. He's my favorite character. And he was the main focal point of the, the show. He, it was all about him wanting to experience being human again. So it was all focused on Salem, which I mm. love. Love that cat puppet to death. <laughs> There's something about the, cr- the crude cat puppet. It's both like you're impressed at it, at the amount of articulation and um, personality that it gets across. But at the same time, it's in its own way, sort of basic and, and crude, like I said. So it's it feels like a blast from the past a little bit to you watching it. It's it's a weird am- amalgamation of feelings looking at that puppet. Yeah. And I tip my hat to Melissa Joan Hart because her and that puppet have so much chemistry. It's so natural. <laughs> her talking to that puppet. So I don't think we give her enough due when it comes to her acting. Yeah, actually, on on the subject of chemistry, I think there's so much charm between Melissa Joan Hart, Caroline Ray, and Beth Broderick as Sabrina and her aunts. Them all together bring the show to life. That that energy is there. Yeah, and the set is always super cozy. It brings you back to good memories and watching it in the afternoons and all that good stuff. If you're asking me how I felt about it in general... It's an empty rainbow going beneath the ground into hell. (laughs) It was so uncomfortable. For me, it was the weird dynamic between the quote-unquote leprechaun and Sabrina. He was after her romantically. Yeah. But in a very bizarre way. And I don't know if this is okay for all things cozy, but she was trying to help him get back on his rainbow. And they kind of were simulating... Yeah, a little- <laughs> we, we get it, Jillian. I hate, I hate it every second. What did you think, Matt? I, I agree with you. And I say that with with deep regret as a Sabrina the Teenage Witch fan. No enthusiasm or energy from the actors could bring any charm to this confusingly dark episode where Very everyone's dark. a megalomaniac. At one point, Caligula shows up to participate in a Benny Hill-esque chase scene. It's off the rails. So off the rails. In terms of the St. Patrick's Day theme, yes, there is technically a leprechaun here, but he's a creep. <laughs> comes off of, like, he comes across like a grizzled carny, found a green suit in a dumpster. <laughs> yes. So I call shenanigans on this episode, empty rainbow all the way, steer clear. And speaking from the Irish perspective, I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> all right, bring Whoa. us home, Julian. We have one more show to talk about. Okay. And the next episode is 30 Rocks, St. Patrick's Day. This features Liz's hatred for St. Patrick's Day revelers, and it has her holed up in her apartment with her boyfriend, Chris, two S's, only to leave her <laughs> ex-boyfriend, only to have her ex-boyfriend show up at her door injured. Meanwhile, Jenna and Tracy are hosting coverage for the St. Patrick's Day parade, which turns sideways. And when the new page, Hazel, suggests Jenna is a bigger star. Finally, because their faces are too punchable, the writers of TGS play a fantasy board game that tracks the interests of Jack, who projects his stagnant career at Cabletown on the game. Where to stream it? Hulu and Peacock. What did you think, Matt? I always forget how edgy the humor is in 30 Rock. I realize how lame I sound saying that, but I did find this episode cozy. Uh, first of all, Jack getting dorky and playing a fictional version of uh, Settlers of Catan was super funny and cozy to me. Even more so than that, the antics of Jenna and Tracy always make me smile. They're back and forth, and they're just like two idiots mm-hmm. <laughs> bouncing off each other. It's too good. And also, I will say too, I really felt the holidays' presence, especially in an Americanized way in two ways. One, we get the coverage of the uh, St. Patrick's Day Parade, 
So there's one element of celebration that's being represented here. Also, we get the kind of revelry that's happening out in the streets that uh, Liz Lemon is desperately trying to avoid. I, I definitely agree. There's there's just so much, and also an element of familiarity. Uh, I haven't watched this show in a long time, and I typically watch it on the plane because they always have episodes on. But it was nice to go back to that. And I agree that the humor was edgy, but it was cozy for me because it really hit the nail on the head in a lot of ways. Um, I know a lot of people in my family <laughs> go to the parade or even participate in it, like actually are in the parade. And it was spot on in, in so in so, so many ways. And it's definitely a, a holiday you want to avoid in a lot of ways. Like at St. Patrick's, you'll be in Boston. I did not plan that. That was not purposeful. <laughs> and I'm terrified. <laughs> if I could change my flights, I would. That Liz's analysis of St. Patrick's Day in New York is super accurate. And so that felt relatable and and cozy to me. But also the amount of of detail there was just even in the parade tracy and jenna are sitting in you know their little reporter's booth and has shamrocks adorned to it and the page hazel played by Kristen shawl she's wearing a shamrock pin on her page suit so they really made an effort to make the environment look like it was saint patrick's day but like you said in an americanized way with the americanized decorations and all of that jazz that's what i want to see in my saint patrick's day episode I want you to put that effort in. That's super cozy to me. So in that sense, it, it, it worked. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this is a pot of gold. It, it really captures the holiday. It's very funny. This, this feels like the kind of episode you watch and you are put into the holiday spirit. I, I would recommend watching this episode if you're trying to connect with your inner leprechaun. And I have to give a shout out to this one joke Liz says to Jack. Don't you want to celebrate Ireland's accomplishments like Michael Lohan and vomiting into a bagpipe? <laughs> Michael Lohan from Long Island. So got to give prop for it, Stu. That was so <laughs> beautifully accurate. Um, Michael Lohan represents us all. <laughs> I do want to give a couple of honorable mentions before we wrap up our TV discussion around St. Patrick's Day. And they're both bar themed shows. Mm. So in terms of like the way that St. Patrick's Day is celebrated in the United States, it's really inextricably associated with drinking, going out to bars, and obviously leprechauns, because that's all the TV, that's all we want to show in American TV shows and sitcoms. Two shows that do this really well, but are honorable mentions because they are not cozy. <laughs> both in terms of like either they're just like really raunchy. Actually, both these are both these are pretty raunchy and kind of dark. But if you're feeling raunchy and dark, you could also get into the St. Patrick's Day spirit by checking out Cheers's. So, you know, the, the 80s sitcom Cheers, they have like a, like a series of like bar wars with a, the rival bar across the street. The one that, that is extra St. Patrick's Day themed, there's even like a, an Irish band in it. And there's like a lot of uh, St. Patrick's Day hijinks is Bar Wars 7, The Naked Prey. Also shout out to... It's always sunny in Philadelphia's Charlie Catches a Leprechaun. I will say out of everything I watched for all these TV episodes, I laughed the hardest with the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode. But that's not cozy. <laughs> yeah, I, I can only imagine. But yeah. I am sure it is, it is funny. I think the, the big takeaway I have from this is that I would love for sitcoms to give another crack at St. Patrick's Day. It doesn't get mm -hmm. enough play. I think there's so many zany ways to go with it. Yeah. Creative writers. Yeah. My tip would be try it without a leprechaun. Personally, I'm just like, bring on the leprechaun. <laughs> Give me more. Give me their little suits. But <laughs> so they're all own. naked running around. <laughs> do you want their suits or do you really want them just to be naked, Jillian? Be honest. Uh, all right. So we're not just watching these TV, TV episodes to have some of the luck of the Irish rub off on us. Um, we are also cooking some Irish recipes that are traditional and then some kind of just like this is for St. Patrick's Day goodies. All right. So I'm going to start it off with a traditional Irish recipe that I put to the test. Jillian, you made this. I'm not sure if you talked about it on the show, but you've made this before. And it's coal cannon, which is basically mashed potatoes and cabbage <laughs> or kale. Apparently, kale is like mm -hmm. the new yes, hip thing kale. to put into it. But I think traditionally it's cabbage. 
So I made it with cabbage. It was a really simple recipe. Basically, you just boil your potatoes, peel them, quarter them, boil them until they're, you know, you can stick a fork in them and it goes through soft. So then you take your cabbage and you pour the cabbage, cut it into thin slices. And then I put all that into a, uh, a frying pan and I fried it in butter. And not like not for very long, like just like five, like five to eight minutes to cook it. It's not getting crispy necessarily. I also had green onions that I chopped up as well. And then I took the cabbage and I, I cut them all together even smaller <laughs> with, with the green onions. I, I learned this trick. I was like, I, I drew on so many different recipes for this um, to figure out like how to make it creamier and stuff like that. And so I ended up gently warming up a little bit of milk, like, a, like about a cup, um, along with like another <laughs> quarter stick of butter and uh once that was kind of nice and warm then i put that with the potatoes as i mashed it up and so that blended in and it did make it very creamy um obviously you add some salt and then you mix in your cabbage and uh onions that's it honestly it it just feels like when you have mashed potatoes on your plate and you just end up mixing it into other side dishes if the side dish was cabbage, but it's very tasty. It adds like a nice kind of crunchiness to the potatoes. It's a little greener. And I also uh, garnished the finished product with some parsley to bring more of that Irish green to, to the dish. But it's funny because this this is a tr- traditional Irish dish, but normally it's served around uh, Samhain or Halloween. Mm, I didn't know that piece of trivia. Yeah, I, I made my version with um, this like faux meat because i think some of them some of these oh yeah definitely like you know i would say like when i was watching irish people make it there there was often like a bacon or like other other meat options thrown in there too um yeah i i I abstained from the meat element but it sounds so cozy and delicious when you showed me the photo of what you made i immediately felt cozy and when you joked about eating it while watching your tv episodes a big bowl of mashed potatoes (laughs) the tv (laughs) I I actually did that when I was younger. That was like my favorite snacks. <laughs> Settle up with my mashed potatoes and everyone's doing sports or activities and I turn on Teen Wolf or whatever. Yes, very delicious. And I think butter is such a key element here because when I was making my dishes, I don't really use uh, butter a lot. I typically use olive oil. So it's almost like a treat to use butter and it makes a lot world of difference. Things oh, it does. It's I, same thing. I was like, the amount of butter I was putting into this, I... Felt like Paula Dean, and but once you taste it, you're like, well, this is, is a lot better. <laughs> it is. I made mine. Um, I, I did just some kind of a similar version to you. I just made um, potatoes and cabbage, but I'll admit, um, my local Target is in walking distance out of cabbage, so I did um, chopped up Brussels sprouts, <laughs> which isn't really like they're kind of like cabbage. little cabbages. <laughs> yeah, they kind of look like little cabbages in a way, and. And then I brought red, uh, bought red potatoes because the potatoes are supposed to use for, you know, potatoes and cabbage, but they were all sprouted when I opened the bag. So I had to rely on my one russet potato. It was a really very simple recipe. Definitely just like yours, um, Matt, where it's just a butter, onions, salt, and, and what, what have you. But what I added to that recipe was my tofu. I try to make tofu that was like corned beef. So it was from healthmylifestyle.com, easy vegan corned beef and, and cabbage. So I, I mock brined this tofu and I saw something on Instagram reels the other day where someone was making this miso soup and they had these tofu shapes in, in honor of spring that look like little bunnies. And it was super cute. So I was like, okay, well, what if I do that? But I find molds that are shamrock or some St. Patrick's Day themed. And I make that my, my tofu thing. I was going to do um, a little soup. Instead, I try to make the corned beef. And so I had these molds. And so I cut out the tofu shapes that look like um, shamrocks. And then I um, boiled spinach for the dye. And I had them soak in the spinach um, boiled water for about an hour or so. And they turned green, my tofu shamrock shapes. And then I brined it. And that really included just special broth, salt, garlic powder, black pepper, pickling spice. They don't sell that at my local Target, so I just <laughs> have the next thing. Um, Dijon mustard and coconut sugar, which you can easily swap out for brown sugar. 
And so you boil that mixture for 10 minutes, then you plop in your tofu and then you just, um, you know, cook that for about 20 minutes and then you dry it out by putting it in the oven and, and baking for a little bit. It didn't taste like corned beef, but it had a nice little kick to it. Um, admittedly, I could have cooked it for longer, but I was hungry and I also burned my little, <laughs> my little throat because <laughs> I wanted to eat those little sh- shamrock tofu. Um, but it was good. They're beautiful. I, I mean, when you showed me the plate, I was like, wow, that was, I was, I mean, it's really impressive that you oh, thank you. created these little um, clover corned beef, like tofu corned beefs. It's, it's, oh, it's really nice. You. It was fun. I need to get more molds and just make all the tofu shapes. That's just, you know, that's just the life goal. More molds. Yeah. Um, and then so I also had a dessert element. Kelly Rizzo, she's a foodie, a travel blogger, and she's also um, the wife of Bob Sackett. And she had this really healthy shamrock recipe that was inspired by the McDonald's shamrock shake. And it looks like it in the sense where it's green and it has the whipped cream and, you know, all that deliciousness. But this recipe is a frozen banana, a handful of spinach, a half a teaspoon of peppermint extract, half of an avocado, um, a tablespoon of agave or honey. And I think that's pretty much it. Oh, and, and a cup of vanilla almond milk. And you blend it all up and then you put your whipped cream on. You don't have to if you don't want to go that far. Um, I did and it was delicious. And then I took some green sprinkles and I topped it on the whipped cream. I had it this morning too. I <laughs> love it. That's a good it. sign. It's so delicious. It is exceptionally delicious. And it's just so fun. And it, I don't know. It's green and it tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. it. It looks really cute and it sounds delicious. And, and it really is a testament to the fact that it is that you were like, I'm doing this again. So check yeah. out, check out that recipe, the recipes for all of these items, uh, the Colcannon, the corned beef and the shamrock shake are in our show notes. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I, I, you know, thank you for suggesting that we do some Irish baking. It, it was, it was very, um, great cozy and my house smelled really good. Similarly, and I know this doesn't sound like it's a great scent, but it was my house was filled with the smell of, you know, cooked cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> but that did feel cozy to me because it reminded me of my grandma because I'm Polish. And so there was always like mm-hmm. pierogies and cabbage and like th- that's a very familiar scent in the kitchen for me. So it felt very cozy. Aww. Let's um, air out our kitchen from the cabbage smell. (laughs) And while we sip on our shamrock shakes, let's shake our booties to some soothing sounds. The sound that's soothing me this week is Beck's new single, Thinking About You. It's a mournful song, and it's likely inspired by his recent divorce from his wife of 14 years. But I do think it's cozy in the sense of being... Uh, contemplative and beautiful, uh, despite the the heavy subject matter. He's releasing the single ahead of a tour with Phoenix that features some uh, shows that are being opened by All Things Cozy podcast faves, Jenny Lewis and Japanese Breakfast. Let's take a listen to Beck's new single, Thinking About You. Wanna believe in something I think it's a very earnest emotional song about love lost and the simple quality of the acoustic guitar and I, I find that very cozy and it's, it has a warm tone to it I think I agree it that acoustic guitar was very um hypnotic almost mm-hmm. and I can get, kind of get lost in it I wonder if his cover art is of Arthur Rimbaud I don't know that'd be the thinking of you and I, I could see that connecting to a theme. But anyway, yes, it's very, you can get yourself lost in it. And it's so it's sad. We always say on this show, sad can be cozy. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Julian, what are you listening to? This is a different pick than what I normally do, but it came across <laughs> my desk and by desk, I mean just my YouTube. And I don't have a channel. I just mean bopping around late at night. Um, Yasmin Lacey's Late Night People is from her debut album, Voice Notes, and it was released on March 3rd. And 
there's just something really fun about the beat and clash magazine said it really well that it, the song encapsulates quiet joy and as yasmin told it the song is for those needing a space to let go the pleasure seekers the dreamers the creators and the magic makers and she further explained i've always been inspired by what goes on when the rest of the world is sleeping sometimes people only associate nightlife with debauchery which has its place but it's also much more so with that let's take a listen to yasmin lacy's late night people kind of feels like time's moving really quickly and it reminds me of a night that just goes by really fast because you're having so much fun or just enjoying yourself and you're detached from the day-to-day and just hanging out with your friends and whatnot yeah i like how it captures the feeling of like being in the back seat of a cab um mm-hmm. like going to the next you know leg of wherever you're going and that kind of reverie you can get into and i think the music sort of captures that vibe it's it's a it's a very cozy angle on going out at night not that i'm very familiar with that anymore but (laughs) imagining it great pick thank you jillian so moving on to our candle review jillian's got the candle this week what you sniffing i am sniffing otis and leaf it's vanilla irish cream ceramic candle and i was it's really a struggle to find uh, St. Patrick's Day or remotely related candle. I don't know if you feel the same way that. Well, yeah, a little bit, yeah. I mean, last week I was at uh, like a home goods store looking for St. Patrick's Day themed candles to talk about on the show potentially. And they had like candles in jars that had shamrocks on them, but there was nothing about the scent that was meant to relate to Ireland or St. Patrick's yeah. Day or anything like that. But this actually does relate to Ireland or St. Patrick's Day. I mean, Irish cream, you know, we love our cream in Ireland. It was started by, I think, some slightly celeb adjacent person. And they started their own candle line. And it, it looks like that. I mean, the, the writing on it is very elevated, <laughs> you know, artistic. Yeah, and Otis, Otis and Leaf. It sounds like a like com- like buddy comedy movie like but for like silver like hipsters or something <laughs> i don't know it sounds like what um two like a-lister celebs name their twins 100 percent. yes like it's irish cream vanilla irish cream it's for 32 dollars. it's going out of stock i think simply because the company doesn't exist anymore and so this can be collective a collector's item if you're looking for the Otis and Leaf, if you're a big fan, and this is their final show, I think. I liked it in the sense that it was it's not too overpoweringly sweet. I love a good Irish cream. I had COVID over Christmas, and all I wanted was some Baileys because I missed out on it. And I was just saying to my partner, give me that Baileys, give me that Baileys. But it's that comforting. Something about Irish cream is just so delectable when you have it, just a little bit of it. Can't have enough more than that. Otherwise, you're going to the sickening part. So that candle encapsulated that, whereas just pleasant enough. The vanilla notes were an overpowering. It was, it was a delight. So, but in terms of St. Patrick's Day, if if you don't associate St. Patrick's Day with Bailey's, you might be out of luck with this candle. So I give it half a wick. All right, that's a fair shake. Fair shake. <laughs> a fair shamrock shake. Yeah. yeah, so this might be a little difficult to find. Um, even in the links that we have, it's like, buy for wholesale. <laughs> so if you want to start a store and get a whole carton of these, uh, that's that's uh, one option. It was featured on Us Weekly. Where did you find at yours? The, at the height of its fame. I found uh, it on Amazon. Oh, okay. I was looking for go. St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, because, you know, here's the thing. When <laughs> you're trying to find St. Patrick's Day, it's not really accessible in Los Angeles. You're going around to these elevated little hip candle stores you can't really find well, at least St. where you live yeah so i went to amazon <laughs> that's where you'll find your st patrick's Day trash <laughs> and I, I i just didn't want something that was like oh clovers or i had a lot of i also has to live in my house what do you have, have against clovers there's just like a lot of hideous holders there's one with the irish flag on it which i was okay. like i can't have this in my home even when any nationalism no and this one was just <laughs> very straightforward and cute. 
So when I'm buying my candles for the show, I also have to think I have to live with this. So that plays a role. And I thought Irish cream was interesting. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it, it definitely sounds like a scent I want to try. Yes, I recommend trying it for sure. Well, that wraps up our St. Patty's programs and Taste of the Irish cooking uh, episode. I don't know. But before we go, we have a few shout outs. Uh, first and foremost, I would love to thank everyone who wished me a happy birthday on social media. Thank you, Jillian, for doing the post. It was, as always, very sweet. Um, and thank you to all the well wishes for, from our listeners. I felt the love and uh, really appreciate it. And keeping the love train chugging right along, thank you so much to Sylvia Mariana for this five-star review. Sylvia said, I just discovered your podcast this winter, and it's been so light and comforting during a time that can sometimes make me pretty grumpy. I look forward to catching up on past podcasts. Can't wait to see what's to come. Thank you, Sylvia. That was so sweet. We love our five-star reviews. But also when you write a little note, as you did, that makes it even better because as Matt is always saying, that's how folks find us. Mm -hmm. It's true. You can leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, but we especially look at Apple podcast reviews. And you can keep up with our show, of course, by following us on Instagram and Facebook at All Things Cozy Podcast. And you can support the show by checking out our Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash allthingscozy. Right now, we're embarking on a, a book written by an Irish author titled Small Things Like These. And if you want to join in that conversation and read along with us, you can by joining our Patreon and getting exclusive access to our book club episodes. Anyway, wishing you all the best luck on this St. Patrick's Day. Um, we'll be back in your ears with a brand new episode in just a couple of weeks. Until next time, stay, stay cozy. cozy.